What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we spend a little time going back over the last year and highlighting some of what's happened in the church and in worship. This is a little different from typical sermons I preach as we take a look at a few small stories from throughout the year. I've now completed three years here at Grace United Methodist Church, and today marks the start of my fourth year. I think it's always a good practice at times like these, on anniversaries and during transitions, to look back, reflect on what's happened, and consider the future God has for all of us. So on this first day of a new church year for me, we highlight some of the good things we've experienced. And if you missed it the first time, this is your chance to catch up. Uh, Let's hear now our scripture for today. It is fittingly from the book of Ecclesiastes, written by someone named Koholet. The writer of this book poses an existential question right at its start. He says, all of life is a vapor, essentially that it is futile or meaningless. So he asks, what does it profit someone to toil under the sun when all lives, both good and bad, end in death? What's the point if we all die anyways? These are some deep challenging questions that get to the very heart of our purpose here on earth. And just a little further on, he shares some immortal words that have been recited and even sung for thousands of years. Let's hear them now as we consider how everything has its time. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. For everything there is a reason, sorry, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, the Apostle Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah, pointing to our redemption in Jesus Christ. For he says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts and lives that we might discover purpose and meaning in our lives just as they are, with all the ups and downs, all the strife and peace we find in it. Do your will in our lives today. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
As we look back at some of what has happened in the last year, I want to focus on what's had a big impact on a lot of people. Every church service we have isn't just about the people in the room at that moment. We also broadcast our service with dozens more watching live, hundreds more watching during the week, and thousands more listening to it. We had one service last year in August that reached a new all-time high audience of 5,318 people. That is the most people this church has ever reached in a single service. That is worth celebrating today. And in the sermon was a message that I found to be truly inspiring. It started with a funny story of my wife, Emily, breaking someone else's sewing machine. If you haven't heard the story, I invite you to go back and listen to it. Uh, But it ended with an example from history that I think we can all learn from. Uh, It's especially fitting on this 4th of July weekend. Back during the American Revolution in the 1700s, the U.S. colonies were trying to win their freedom from the British. The British were a vastly superior force. Wherever they chose to occupy, they succeeded simply because they had a much larger army. But the Americans never gave up on the dream. They kept fighting. They endured harsh winters, waiting for their chance. And finally, it came. In the Battle of Yorktown, about 9,000 British forces were in Virginia, which was almost half of their entire army in the U.S. The Americans, along with the French and Germans, had managed to cut off Lord Cornwallis of the British from reinforcements. If the U.S. could just win this battle, it could end the war. One of the people who had lived in Yorktown, Governor Nelson, was with the American forces, and he had some useful intelligence to the army. He was confident he knew exactly what building Lord Cornwallis was staying in. He gathered his men together and pointed toward a beautiful brick building. He said, General Cornwallis has almost certainly set up the British headquarters inside there. It is the best home in the city, and I know this because it is my home. Then he told the soldiers to line up the cannons and fire at his own home. He said he'd give a thousand dollars to any man who hit his house. The story goes that the very first cannonball sailed through his dining room window where the British officers were eating. Thomas Nelson celebrated right along with the other soldiers as his own home was destroyed. Only a few days later, the British would surrender and America would win the Revolutionary War. Governor Nelson was a man that was passionate about winning the war. He was so passionate, he was willing to sacrifice his own beautiful home to win. That's the kind of passion that God calls us to, not for a war or money or fame, but for the things of God, for peace, for all things shared in common, for the name of the Lord to be the one that is famous. Here at Grace, we want people to be passionate about our mission statement. You hear it every single week here at Grace. It's on signs throughout the building. You'll see it in our bulletin every week. I say it in prayer before every sermon. We are intensely dedicated to being an inclusive community, passionately following after Jesus Christ. Even at the start of the service, you'll hear it in our intro video. Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone, an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. And you'll see that in the things we do as a church. 
I think of Hilda, who joined our church last year. She works hard in the office, but what I love most is her commitment to volunteering with Sunday school and other areas of the church. There was a Sunday last July that was notable for two reasons. One is that it had the highest number of people watching on YouTube as we've had all year, which was exciting. Our YouTube channel has grown a lot too. We've almost doubled the number of people following us on there since last year. And that meant now we can have our own channel name, youtube.com slash gmcwyckoff. That's an exciting accomplishment. But the second notable thing on that date was that it was the first time that Hilda volunteered to read the scriptures in front of the whole congregation. You'll have to forgive me for this, but sometimes when I pick the scripture reading, I don't necessarily think about or or know who is going to do the reading. Hilda, for her very first time in front of us, got a scripture from Exodus chapter 3, where Moses has run away from his responsibilities. He was an Egyptian prince, but also a Hebrew by birth, and he flees to a new land. He is now with the Midianites, and Hilda had to read about them, and also the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. That is not an easy reading, but she did a fabulous job, and I promise to be more aware of what scripture I ask people to read for the first time up here. Uh, We saw in Moses' story that even as God speaks to Moses through a burning bush, he felt unready. He felt like he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. Though he was trained by some of the best scholars of the day and of everyone was absolutely the best pick for the job, the thing that was most important in his day was eloquence, to be a a gifted speaker. Moses, though, did not have this gift. He was, quote, slow of tongue. Even as the unique name of God is revealed to him, a name that may mean something like the one who causes everything in this world to exist, he resists. God may be his reason for being, but he is not going to put himself at risk speaking publicly. That's when God does the impossible, turning his staff into a snake, making his hand leprous, and then immediately healing it. It is a hint at the incredible, miraculous nature of God. And Moses is changed. He decides to visit his relatives, so Moses goes back to Egypt to lead the people from slavery to freedom, despite feeling like he could not do it. It's like the woman Jeannie, who had a a damaged facial nerve from a surgery on a tumor. For four years, she had paralysis on the left side of her face and needed a, a hearing aid. Everything always tasted like wet cardboard to her. She was dizzy, and she got uh, to a point where she said, Lord, please either heal me or let me die. I can't live with this illness any longer. Then a friend invited her to church to a Wednesday morning service, and at the end, she went forward for prayer. When she opened her eyes, she saw light all around her. When she, and, and from the center of that light, she, she sensed God's Love washing over her, penetrating every part of her being. She knew that she had been healed. Her hearing aid fell into her lap and she could hear. The ringing was gone. The the dizziness vanished. She could feel in every part of her body. She could walk without hitting into the doorframe. And after four years of tasting absolutely nothing, it all came back. 
She couldn't wait to eat and finally taste again the food that she cooked. What a beautiful transformation, just like the one that happened to Moses and just like the one he does in our lives. It's not always a miracle, but God changes us from the inside out, sometimes slowly over time, sometimes quickly in an instant, and we are made a new creation in Christ. Our job is to be ready, to be on the lookout for the burning bush so that God may speak into our lives and lead us to a transformed life. We've had some really incredible worship services over the last year, from looking at unity and community in our Harmony series, to my favorite series that came from the Reverend David Wiley's book, Why Mark? on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, our church is not just about passionately following Jesus Christ. As important as that is, our church is about the community of God following after God. That's why our Collectors series holds a special place in my heart. As we looked at several people in our church who had unique collections, from Kevin's music to Bill's milk bottle collection, Uh, my favorite part of Bill's interview was at the end of him sharing this sentimental story about his father delivering milk to the community. He walks me over to another part of his house and he says, oh yeah, these are the Emmys that I won. He has a collection of Emmys yet he cared more about his milk bottles than his Emmys. We have such talented but humble people in our church. I think that's why Marion's collection of art will always hold a special place in my heart. Let's rewatch a shortened interview with Marion. I I got there's a pile over there on that where the little mount thing is, that's all paintings. That's oh, all God. paintings that are, you know, that ready to be passed along. Or or second secondary paintings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ones that don't go too well. Okay. And I let them stand like that for a couple of days. I just I was working on that this morning. Okay. And uh, I leave I leave them hang there. My son made the, the wire for me. And then I look at them, and sometimes I go back and say, oh, needs a little something there or something there. And, uh, you know, I, I look at them, or I need a tree or something, and I use from one or the other. And these are all just current stuff that I've been worked on. Okay. And tell me about how you come up with the ideas for the things that you're painting. Sometimes it's just how the spirit moves me. Marion's art is a gift from the Holy Spirit. In a response to the global pandemic, she found a way to connect and encourage folks. What an incredible blessing she is. Even just the other day, I was visiting with someone and she told me, Oh, yes, this is a painting I got from Marion. They framed it and hung it up in their home. It is a reminder not so much of Marion's talent, but of the community of God, of the love and support with which we hold one another. Marion is an example for us. Whatever God has gifted us with, share it with the world. You are blessed to be a blessing. 
We see it with our Sunday school program, with Patricia and Emily and all the teachers and students in the program, and with our youth group from 6th to 12th grade. Even our scholarship winners, as they head off to college, have incredible gifts to share with the world. I got a letter from the winner of the Raymond Raff Scholarship that said, Thank you. I want to be like Raymond. I want to imitate his business life. And as encouraging as, as that is, there's actually something deeper happening here too. We are a church community that continues to keep Raymond's memory alive. We are celebrating his life. And we are also encouraging young people by supporting the transformation that happens through education. Here at Grace, we see how education and spirituality go hand in hand. Learning more about the world doesn't diminish you or reduce your spirituality. It opens you up to new possibilities. It helps you see the world more clearly so you can be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't push people away who are learning from the world. We include them. We want to learn from them too and see how their wisdom, their insights can speak to us and help us to grow spiritually. That's the goal, folks. And everything we learn, everything we experience helps expand our horizons so we can better follow Jesus. Our young adult group helps us learn and grow. Our new members and confirmands challenge us to see new possibilities in who we are as a church. Do you know we had a thousand people on Facebook who were reached by our confirmation Sunday? New people are reached by a generation of young people who say, yes, I will be faithful to Jesus Christ. I will commit to a life found in him. It's a beautiful testament to God at work in our congregation. Perhaps the most striking change we've experienced this year, though, is the relaunch of our choir. Before the pandemic hit, the choir here at Grace was maybe seven or eight people. It was in a bit of a situation. And then during the pandemic, it got even worse. One member left because it had been so long without the choir performing. Another had a crisis of faith. Some people moved at a certain point. Kevin, our choir director, and I were asking ourselves, are we ever going to have a choir again? Kevin came to me this past fall, and he asked what I wanted to do in this next season. And I said, what do you think? Will we have enough people? Neither of us were sure, but I said, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. And so the Christmas choir was born. Kevin put out the request. He called people up and let them know what we were doing, always with the mantra that you do as much as what brings you joy and nothing more. And we were delighted, absolutely ecstatic, that over 20 people signed up to be a part of that temporary choir. As we talked more, we saw how this was a new day for the church. It wasn't about having this choir for adults and this choir for youth. It became an all-ages, intergenerational choir, welcoming both young and old, the talented and the still working on hitting those notes. All are welcome to this choir that strives to be another place in the church where we are an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. That first day the choir gathered was pretty incredible. In the end, we didn't have just 20 people, though. We had something like 35 who wanted to be a part of the music tradition here at Grace. People had tears of joy as these beautiful and broken voices lifted their praise to God on that first day in the choir room. 
That was not the same old grace choir. This was a rebirth, a transformation brought by God. And God blessed us with beautiful music to remember Jesus and to inspire our community. I was moved right along with many of you on Easter Sunday during a performance of a woman as the female members of the choir stood up from among the congregation singing and gathering up front. What a performance. Sometimes we get caught up in our traditions. We convince ourselves that there is one way and that our one way is the only way ordained by God himself, but that's simply not the case. The writer of Ecclesiastes says there is a time for everything under the sun. There is a time to hang on to the past, to remember what was, but there is also a time to open our hands and let God do a new thing among us. Today we celebrate the past, but we also boldly move forward to include more people, to connect with children and families of all types. We work to build community, accommodating the needs of those around us, whether you need a wheelchair ramp and a button to get you through the front door or have a child that needs a little extra love and care. In all this, and especially in our pursuit of Jesus Christ, we are passionate because this is the time. Now is the time of our salvation. Now God is calling us to be changed into a church that answers the needs of the world as it is right now. As we join small groups and do missions work to help our neighbors and worship with heart, mind, body, and especially our voices, may we truly be an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.